Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the 
the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed, and I'm Ken Napsok, back for another edition of Force Center here on the show. The main show, uh, we are, as always, joined by Joseph Scrimshaw. Hey, Ken, I am happy to be here, and once again, sipping out of your Lando cup. <laughs> it sounds... Uh, no, that is great. It just sounds great, and it is great. I was trying to, trying to make some weird joke, but no, it's great. I'm looking at the glass. I'm very happy. I was able to pick that up, as we talked about last week on May the 4th. One of my favorite, favorite items. And uh, another one of our uh, favorites is, uh, yeah, that glass, too. Uh, my Santa Baratheon glass that she's drinking out of there is Jennifer Landa. Hello. I am so happy to be here. I am also a Game of Thrones fan, so I appreciate this cup. <laughs> a lot of people don't appreciate drinking out of the Stannis mug, though. They don't. They don't like it. They don't get my love of Stannis. It could be a Renly cup, right? Because it's just Baratheon, right? Uh, yeah. No, no, that's Stannis it's specific. Straight up Stannis. The flames oh, are Stannis. Shoot. Uh, there's a lot of flaming hearts in my house. Mm, <laughs> it's a little deep. bit of a problem. But we're crossing streams. We're here yes. to talk about Star Wars. And guys, we had a great time celebrating May the 4th with our special guest, Emma Fife. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that celebratory episode, please go back and check that out. But today, we're going to be uh, back on uh, the rails. Uh, the, we didn't go off the rails in a Bad way. That sounded like I said something bad. We're back on the uh, we're back on the uh, on the on the course to Alderaan here. Oh, that's bad too. Okay, <laughs> we're doing the Kessel Run. We're How doing about that? The, ah, we're doing it in at least thirteen parsecs. <laughs> um, so, guys, uh, as always, we like to dig into the news here on Force Center. It's our chance to kind of break down, discuss some of it breaking or relatively new, some of it a few days older. But this is uh, when we get to together and talk about it. And Jennifer, we've got we got some things to talk about. Oh yes, we do. Alden Ehrenreich is. Is the new Han Solo? Um, Or is he? Probably, but not quite. Exactly. So we need to make it known that although a lot of major news outlets have been reporting that the deal is basically done and he is a new Han Solo, Disney and Lucasfilm have not confirmed this yet. Right. So uh, are we thinking that they're going to announce it soon? Didn't they do this with J.J. Abrams? They and, did. Right? That's yeah. the Everyone example. knew. That's the example I was thinking about. Yeah. Even yeah. the original cast are back was something they said. Yeah. About. And the, right. the tone of all the the press releases is we know. And it's a matter of if we keep saying it, then they'll come out and say it. And like, yeah. there's there's no ambiguity from them. Like, we're right, and they just haven't told you yet. Right, right. I just wonder, because this originally actually was leaked on page six, and it was like, sources say right. that the deal is being negotiated or whatever. I'm like, who are these, who are these sources? Are they his agents? Are they, right. you know... I don't know. Well, yeah, and it's funny how that news comes about. And, you know, I'm, I've know some of those people. Uh, Umberto Gonzalez from Heroic Hollywood's a friend of mine, and, and he's a, a notorious scooper, uh, or infamous or famous from your certain point of view. And they, usually when they know, they know. They know. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. It's, it's it's not just the valet giving them tips, it's someone in the office, it's someone leaking it. So I be, I'm accepting this as fact in my brain. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. the only way it changes is if Disney's like, no, <laughs> screw you, variety and deadline. We want to be right for once, so we're going to fire our young Han Solo (laughs) just to prove a point. I don't think so, though. Imagine that. So are we on board with this choice? Uh, As I mentioned, I think two episodes ago, I'm thrilled he was absolutely my first choice. uh, Because I think he captures the uh, essence of Han, as I saw in the Coen Brothers movie that he was in, uh, that he's he's just, he's got the charisma and that he's fun. He's so fun in that movie, Mm. and I think he can make Han fun. 
He does a little bit of action in that movie, and he does that same thing where he is acting through the action. Like, it's not just a ripped guy running. He's okay. got the emotions on his face, so you're feeling the story as he's running and shooting. Mm. I am a huge fan of the Coen brothers, but I haven't had a chance to see Hail Caesar, so I'm not too familiar with his work or anything else he's done. I know a lot of people love him, and a lot of people say, hey, Hail Caesar wasn't that great, but he was the shining star of that movie. So I am uh, not against it. I, I was telling you guys before, I'm not in that nerd bubble going, um, <laughs> I, number one, feel sorry for this kid right? and happy for him yeah. uh, because we know this is this is going to be a very scrutinized uh, casting and, and, and movie, and, and we We've expressed our maybe misgivings or apprehensions uh, or a little bit of uh, being dubious regarding the young Han Solo movie. But uh, I am ready to accept what you're saying, Joseph, which is I don't think it looks like Harrison Ford. No. But if he can convey the image, I can get on board with that. Yeah. And if he can, the presence. And, and you seem pretty confident. Yeah. And I think it is so much more about presence because when there was the first like eight allegedly people who are yeah. there, I was kind of looking at who looks like him, who's got the essence. And now I would be so just sabak table flipping mad mm. if they cast based on appearance or if they let that be too much of a factor because yeah. appearance looking like Harrison Ford has nothing to do with acting ability. Right. Mm. And, and I don't know, Jennifer, are you familiar with Anthony and Gruber? Uh, oh, yes, I am. Yeah. yeah I, I liked him. He was great. Uh, great guy. We interviewed him on Schmoes. No, uh, right. very humble, uh, nice kid. Uh, looks like him. Sounds like him. I just, uh, all due respect, didn't think he had the acting chops. So I didn't think he was a realistic contender. And I agree with you, Joseph. Uh, uh, you know, just because you can do an impersonation and you're a sketch comic, <laughs> you know, doesn't mean you should be the Han Solo. And yeah, they should have cast like Dana Carvey. He's great. <laughs> impressions right right 55 year old dana carvey is right. young han solo right yeah. jennifer i know you have a lot of questions about this movie yes where are you at with this casting you know what i read a fascinating article about not the death of the movie star but how the movie star is not important anymore as mm-hmm. it once was it's now about the franchise right. it's about the brand we we went to go see the force awakens not because we're like oh we want to go see this unknown daisy ridley but because <laughs> we wanted to see a star wars movie right and so i have complete faith that they are going to make this film awesome and mm-hmm. if he has the acting chops it will he'll be able to sell it to me i okay. think that he's going to be able to convey that essence and that spirit of harrison ford yeah. and that's all that matters he doesn't have to do an impersonation you know um yeah. so i thought that was really interesting though i think he's going to become a star after this oh, movie yeah, yeah but absolutely. i'm glad that they didn't choose um Miles Teller or somebody more recognizable where then it's like two uphill battles, you know, where you're comparing them to Harrison Ford and you're also like, oh, I remember that guy from blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) it might have been a little bit of the problem with with uh, Shia LaBeouf in the the fourth uh, Indiana Jones, which there might be a lot of problems that movie we can nitpick at. (laughs) And he wasn't being Indiana Jones, but it was like. It's his son, and it was like, oh, but that's shy, and I already have opinions about shy, and I actually think he's a good actor, and I don't think Mud is as bad as people thought. The movie overall is maybe disastrous, but I, I, I did go in going, oh, shy is in an indie movie. Right. So I'm glad. Yeah. I think that we've gone through this enough now in peak internet culture where we have all the social media, we have all the shows, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Clyder and Schmozno and everything, yeah. to give opinions that I think we our fan outrage about casting is now a shorter blip. Yeah. Because we've been through it so many times. We're so pissed about Ben Affleck. And then the movie rolls around, and <laughs> myself included, I fired off the three or four mean tweets about Ben Affleck being <laughs> Batman. And then the movie rolls around, and everybody's kind of like, eh, he's one of the best things about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that we're starting to learn our lesson of like, oh, we'll have a spike of rage, and then we'll just let it go. Yeah. Uh, and he's, I'm looking, he was born in 1989. Ooh. Um, 
so mid twenties, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. Young Han Solo really is going to be just a couple years. Yeah, New Hope is interesting. Well, I I saw some people complaining about this, and I'm pretty sure that Young Han Solo is something we, the internet, came up with. I don't think Uh Kathleen Kennedy has been. We're making Young Han Solo. That's our working title. You're you're absolutely right. right. That's a good point. You're absolutely right. I don't think at any point anyone has uttered those words other than the internet. Yeah, we Um, mean not septuagenarian. That's what we mean. (laughs) We mean not 70 years old. And I'm okay with that. And this is maybe more of a breakdown of of again the movie, which we've talked about before. But I don't. I definitely don't want fifteen-year-old Han Solo. No, no. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know. Then you'd have to make Chewbacca a teenager too. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> He's yeah. only one hundred and ten. Yeah. So finding the adventures of Han Solo leading up to New Hope and finding where he was in his life right at that point, right, um, is interesting. I think it is interesting. And I hope, I hope they cast, and I hope she factors into the story. Is Sena Solo? Um, I forget, oh, yeah. I forget her, her um, I guess, maiden name. I think it was, a, <laughs> uh, she yeah. never, never actually married, but uh, that that's a time that would fall into the time period. Oh, nice. That would be great. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, speaking of the young Han Solo movie or the mm. Han Solo movie, on May the 4th, Chris Miller, one of the directors of this movie, tweeted a photo of Han's iconic blaster and said, quote, can't wait to get Shooting air quotes. (laughs) Uh, So they're currently him and Phil Lord are in pre-production on the film. Um, So the photo was interesting. I actually, I I got not emotional, but it was like, I got a little little flutter. Did you Kevin Smith cry? (laughs) I just I got a little like oh, like that got me excited. Yeah, what I'm saying. I said out loud, "Ooh, his Blastec DL44, (laughs) (laughs) which is a great gun on Battlefront. I was using it last night in Jabba's palace, right?" Awesome. Um, Battlefront has reinvigorated my uh, love of that game with some new downloadable levels and content. So I'm running around Jabba's Palace with Han's gun. Um, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, number one, I like them and Ryan Johnson, even JJ before. Yeah. They're fans, yes. and that can be could be a danger if it's done wrong. You know, but these guys, it's a it's a love and respect. They are us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we would tra- treat the movie, I would make a horrible Star Wars movie, but I, I, <laughs> I would treat it with the utmost respect and want to make it the movie I'd want to see as a kid. And Lord and Miller are doing so good. I love their stuff. A uh, big fan of uh, Last Man on Earth, which they uh, are behind with Will Forte. And I just, I, and Lego Movie was a smash. Mm-hmm. And I think it's they're going to, they're going to do this right. Yeah. So. I'm like, still dubious at times, but I think they're going to do yeah, it Yeah. Right. I think... Maybe it's not the greatest idea. Maybe we don't need this movie, but I think they're going to make a great version of a movie that we maybe don't need. Except for then when we love it, we'll be like, great, I'm so happy they made it. Yeah, and I think they have respect for the essence of it. And dropping the blaster in particular is like, that's not a spoiler at all, but it's just exciting. And it also sort of speaks to, we understand that these things that were just props, just like, Mm -hmm. he needs a gun, here's a gun, looks cool, great, let's go. It's now, it's an icon. And they understand it is iconography of like, this is going to get us excited because this is a symbol of, imagine who he's going to shoot with this thing and how cool it's going to be. Quick poll to both of you you do you want to see how he got that gun or just have him already have it and slinging and shooting uh, yeah i kind of want slinging and shooting yeah, i, I want to catch up with han just in the middle of stuff maybe meeting yeah. chewbacca maybe but beyond that i just kind of want han on the run doing han stuff yeah I love that. Yeah, yeah just let's in the just middle start of the story. middle. Absolutely. We know who he is yeah. as fans. We don't need the origin story. No, we don't. We don't. We this, just want to see him in his prime. Yeah. 
That's exciting. Yeah. Maybe if he meets Sena, uh, yeah. maybe she pushes him on his past and maybe he says one or two cryptic things so we can kind of imagine right. some of the things that shaped him. But man, no, I don't want to see any sort of like, yeah. here's how I found my blaster. Here's how I picked up my pants with the red stripe. <laughs> 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 right. And uh, the jacket with the red stripe, which I, I, I you know what, look, um, we men, particularly white men, have had it a lot easier in the geek culture, unfortunately, over the last 30 years. I'm always jealous of you women and your ability and uh, the availability of cooler Star Wars shirts now. That's right. I couldn't really wear that. If there, is there a man's style? No, there is not. See? Thank you, Ashley Eckstein, for making yeah. awesome clothes for us ladies. Yeah. I'm wearing a and, and it's about stripes. time, and I'm so happy, yeah. but I, I, I have envy. They, well, you know what? And it's probably well-deserved, yeah. but I have envy. I had envy for many, many years <laughs> and would have to alter all my men's T-shirts or shop in the little boy section. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at rocking a cardigan, so I might try that. Actually, I don't care. Actually, Joseph, you totally could. <laughs> this would look great on you. Well, thank you. We'll swap yeah. We'll swap cardigans after our recording. <laughs> cool. Um, Love it. Yeah, so that's, that is exciting. Another exciting thing is Star Wars Celebration is heading back to Florida. StarWars.com mm. announced that the Star Wars convention will be held April 13th through 16th, uh, 2017 at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. Mm. Tickets go on sale May 25th at noon, Pacific Standard Time. Are you guys going to go? What year is this? It is uh, 2016 okay. now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's year. a year from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to plan my life. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to scheme if there's any way I can uh, get to London for this year. <laughs> so for uh, sure. Certainly it being right. closer than London. Helps. It's great. Because, yeah, I absolutely want to be there. I absolutely want to be there. I'd love it if uh, Force mm-hmm. Center did some stuff yep. there. You know, and I think, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's there. And Florida's, you know, it's got nice, <laughs> nice weather for, for the most part. <laughs> I loved it. I went to uh, Celebration 6 okay. in 2012, I believe. It was a blast. Mm-hmm. I actually... I stayed at a hotel by myself. I had my first time eating at Red Lobster. (laughs) I had never had their cheesy biscuits before. They were delicious. And, you know, I So you you (laughs) sampled some real Florida cuisine. Red Lobster. It was near my hotel in walking distance. I have a $25 Red Lobster (laughs) gift card that I can't get rid of. Really? Uh, Maybe I'll give it to you and you head up to Wonder Valencia and you and your husband and your kid have some buttery milk (laughs) shrimp biscuits or whatever you got. That was so good. I I, I do a... Joyce shrimp. <laughs> but, Sorry. Uh, it was just the last thing I expected. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to be like, I got this great Princess Leia bobblehead. I'm like, nope, no. Red Lobster. But it was pretty epic. And yeah. I yeah. love that venue. It just felt like I was immersed in Star Wars. And yeah. I remember George Lucas was there one morning. I mm. missed him by like probably 15 minutes. He was walking the con floor buying souvenirs from wow. the vendors with his family. How cool is that? Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, what? right. I would have had a, like a stroke. I almost <laughs> did. Selling, selling. Uh, uh, do you want my Lando? Oh my god! <laughs> just take it, sir. Yeah. Just take it. Take it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the beauty of I celebration. Like you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The last one in Anaheim was great, and oh, it made me really, awesome. really want to make make it to this, as many of the other ones as I possibly can. Yeah, I mean, and you can go back and listen to my Spotlight Star Wars that I recorded in Anaheim, and it's probably on the Knapsack Files podcast feed uh, episodes over there. But yeah, I. Uh, that was my first one. Was Anaheim last year, mm. and you said it, Jennifer. It was uh, you were. 
buried in a good way yeah. in Star Wars. You just were surrounded. You were swimming in the deep end, but having so much fun with fans and excitement. And I just talked about uh, how it was a celebration. It truly was. And I had an experience that I love going to conventions, love going to cons. Um, but it was definitely you felt like you were you were with your kind. Yeah, yeah it's a different energy than other cons, which we mm-hmm. we talked about on Jedi Alliance. Yeah, then, when back when you were still hosting Jedi Alliance about even San Diego Comic Con or, or some like the Wizard Worlds that I enjoy going to. There's a little bit of kind of desperation to get to the next thing. Like I want an autograph. I mm-hmm. want to buy this exclusive. And that vibe at Star Wars Celebration was just much more celebratory of mm-hmm. just people yeah. happy to around and be there instead of get the thing. Right. I went back to my hotel room that first night and I had purchased a bunch of stuff uh, and uh, the, the new visual encyclopedia and all, the, all that kind of stuff. And I just had it laid out on my bed and I just was looking at it. Oh. Like, yeah, I like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I definitely want to get back. I'm, I wish I could have gone to the London one because um, yeah. I think there's going to be some cool things there because where they film and everything. Yeah. But, but hey, Orlando, man. We're going. Let's do it. I'm gonna. Yeah. Make We're doing us go. it. We I'm gotta go because we have to scoop it. The the one in Anaheim was the first place that anyone heard first order because yeah. it was the props <gasps> yeah. were there in the one room and they were labeled first order. And I remember standing in line with Chris Taylor, uh, yeah. her friend yeah. who wrote How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, waiting to take a dumb picture of myself in a Bakta tank. <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, it turns out it's gonna be the first order, not the Empire." It's like oh, it's cool that like gosh. info drops right. in these subtle weird ways, so right? You know, right. creates those beautiful little memories. Ooh, and this will be the one prior to episode eight. Yeah. Oh. So there's going to be some Star Wars secrets in the swamps of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. And now I oh I can't uh, I don't know if I can actually play this, but give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah, you guys can't maybe hear this, but it is a. Yeah. Delightful oh, reggae uh, song in hoodies, uh, yeah. in case you guys didn't know that. So on May the 4th, it was an exciting day, obviously. Jabba Flow was released. You might remember that mm-hmm. song from the scene uh, in Maz's castle when Han and the gang first walk in. Uh, Lynn manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame yeah. did the vocals on this song, and he actually co-wrote it with J.J. Abrams. The song is in hoodies, and it translates to... No lover, lover, it wasn't me. <laughs> so <laughs> Miranda said that it's, it's literally a shaggy intergalactic remix. Yeah. From his <laughs> Mr. Bombastic Ramadan. I think it's that one, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what I loved was there's actually a live version of uh, Miranda performing it with J.J. Abrams yeah. singing yeah. backup. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I watched the video. You sent it along to us. I watched the video, and I thought the most impressive and interesting thing about it was is two people very, very successful right now, probably at Mm. the height of their power and career, uh, clearly just having fun and playing. But then also, they had this memorized in Hatties. And these are two very busy men. There's the line for (laughs) Hamilton. Lin-Manuel Miranda is about to go perform all of Hamilton. J.J. Abrams, I'm sure, is very busy. Yeah. No, no, like, we recorded this a year and a half, two years ago, maybe. God knows, no sheets in front of them. Like, we remember the Hutties. <laughs> That's <laughs> how special it is to us that we made this song. I had Love a similar it. thought watching. I was like, did they rehearse that? Like, I mean, clearly they had to, so time was spent on that. Yeah. I had yeah. the same exact kind of thought. Like, it's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah. I mean, impressive. And at one point or another, all of us could probably sing a line or two of, of Lapty Neck or, the, or, or Yub Nub or something, but uh, they laid it down, man. Yeah. They did. I downloaded that song the moment I saw it. <laughs> I was like, oh, got to purchase that one. It's a classic. It's yeah, a classic. great song. 
Do we want to talk about the Mads Mickelson thing? Do we want to mention that? I think, yeah, we should without yeah. giving away what he said. All right. I, I've, I've hinted on it in one of the things he said on Spotlight Star Wars, but okay. uh, I, yeah, without I think it's interesting that he's doing it. Yeah, talk us through it, Jennifer. Somebody is gonna be in trouble. Misha <laughs> <laughs> Ma- <laughs> thinking you be giving away the big clues. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mads Mickelson gonna die. <laughs> So actor Mads Mikkelsen, who is in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, (laughs) has been sharing spoilers left and right in in recent interviews. He shared a whopper about his character to a Danish talk show, I believe. Uh, And the look on his face when he said who he is, Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, I think I said too much or something yeah. like that. Did he start crying blood like his character in Casino Royale? <laughs> no, he took a sip from his water and I think he, he took a big gulp. Uh, but <laughs> apparently he did not learn his lesson because then he told uh, the Evening Standard, which is a publication in the UK, a little tidbit about the Rogue One story itself. Oy. Yeah. So um, Mads also admitted that he had never watched any of the Star Wars films. Of course. <laughs> prior, uh, He actually didn't watch them until after he finished filming Rogue of One. Of course. <laughs> of course. That makes perfect sense. He said that while there were a lot of references to the previous films in the script, it forced him to tap someone on the shoulder and say, I haven't seen the other films. Can you fill me in? (laughs) Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Um, Yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot to digest. Dark (laughs) contrast to what we were discussing about the Han Solo (laughs) film and the reverence for the blaster. Like. What's uh, yeah. what's a Yavin for? Yeah, it's right. it's somewhat disappointing. The the kid who plays Ez- Ezra, I can't remember his name right now, T- oh, Taylor yeah. or something. Not a Star Wars fan. Uh-huh. He might be now, but uh, Maud Garrett interviewed him before Rebels debuted, and he admitted he's like, I don't, I don't know Star Wars. Didn't watch yeah. him. Don't know what it is. Mm. Um, and it kind of sucked a little. It was like, mm. oh, but wh- then why are you getting to be in it? <laughs> yeah, I want to be in the Star War. <laughs> um, Mads. So I should hold Mads to the same standard. Yeah. Right. So it's a little disappointing, but at the same time, just seems, yep, nope. <laughs> he wouldn't have seen it, and so he doesn't understand spoiler culture. I mean, he might know it because he signed something. He's right. probably, yeah. Uh-oh. Like, I'm sure he's losing money every word. He has to have, there has to be some punishment of NDA. <laughs> money in the spoiler jar? Is that- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would think so. Right? I think there should be. There should, should be. be. There's got to be some punishment. Like, Lucasfilm can't actually have him killed. I mean, yes. but there has to be some weight behind the NDAs. And I don't know the second one. I knew the first one. Right. Um, only, only because I just was feeling saucy that day at work, mm. and I had my friend JT read the story, and he told me, I don't think it's going to matter. You can find out. And I clicked on the story. I don't think it changes dr- dramatically, but it might. And I, but I was like, I, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't want to know anymore. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. No, I, you know, funny. part of me, though, as, as an actor, I'm like, it's kind of doing your homework, yeah. knowing the source material and it might help you with your character. So for me, I just kind of think of it as like good research on your backstory. But I mean, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's he's not required to be a fan to be yeah. in sure, the film. Sure. But it is kind of one of those things where you're like, you haven't seen any Star Wars films? Yeah. None? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't mind... A few people not being super fans because I think it gives a little bit of uh, a fresh perspective Mm -hmm. and all of that. But I do think, yeah, like you're saying, like kind of basic homework. Like it's fine if he doesn't know what a Minoc is or whatever. Right. But the broad strokes 
might be good. Might be helpful. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used to have this fight with actors uh, back when I lived in Minneapolis. I owned a theater company. I would hire actors, and they would. some actors had the philosophy of, I just want to know my character. All I need to know is my character. Oh, my goodness. And it's like, no, you really need to know what how your th- yeah. thread affects the other stories. Right. Because like maybe you think your character should only be so mad about this event, but if you know that the next scene is also about anger, then that informs how you play your anger. And the, like all yeah. those kind of things, those rippling effects. And right. I feel like yeah, for something as big of a tapestry as Star Wars, a little bit of an idea. Yeah. A little bit. It helps I think he's gonna na- I think he's going to nail it. He's great. I yeah. love him. But uh, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's amusing to me. Right. I hope, he, I hope he just shuts up. Take him <laughs> off the interview train now. We're almost there. We're around the corner in the bend. Right. Uh, so paddles that say yes and no for his other <laughs> interviews. <laughs> You know, and it uh, happens. I, you know, it was, uh, some stuff at Comic Con came out last year, San Diego, uh, not just from Force Awakens, but from other movies. Uh, I think it was something with um, one of the superhero movies. Someone said something on stage, and there was just an audible, like, yep. um, so it happens. It's going to happen. I spoiled. Yeah. I'm not supposed to give away who won movie fights, and I was uh, on Schmo's No, and I gave it away because I was mm-hmm. a little inebriated because that was the premise of the show, <laughs> and I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it happens. But I don't know if Matt feels terrible. No, he doesn't. I don't think so. No, he does. I don't think he does. Yeah. He can tap someone on the shoulder and ask, should I feel terrible? Is that, (laughs) I haven't watched the terrible films. Should I feel terrible? People like, they like these movies. (laughs) Just a little. He is a great actor, I should say. And I I think he probably will still knock it out of the park. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And that is, that is the week in the news. That is our week in Star Wars news. Uh, Even on slow weeks, there is a lot there these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, We are definitely around the corner in the bend on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, building up steam and a lot of people wondering, is this movie going to uh, stand on its own? Are we going to like a Star Wars movie without the main characters or maybe even lightsabers and all these big questions? And I think it boils down to what makes a good Star Wars story and what do we as fans expect out of our stories? What don't we like in this new age of canon? Uh, It is uh, amazing to me that... um, with all these Star Wars stories, they're doing a great job. All these new books, all these things, but holy moly, uh, it's possible to do them wrong or to get them <laughs> wrong, and fans will let you know. Uh, the comics sometimes go weird areas for me, but uh, other people might, might love them. So the question today, our main topic, is what makes a good Star Wars story? It's big, it's deep, but I think we can answer that question here today with the help of the great Star Wars <laughs> pontificator, yes. Joseph Scrimshaw. Yeah, I, th- I have been thinking about this a lot uh, in reading the new canon novels yeah. and comparing them to the expanded universe uh nothing negative toward expanded universe fans but mm-hmm. i think that those books told stories in a different way i think they told them in a more traditional novel way mm-hmm. and i think they told them often in a more traditional sci-fi way and i think that's okay. what sometimes blocked me from getting as into the expanded universe as i am into these new canon novels and agree with that we're gonna have a longer discussion uh, about bloodline uh later but you know we've, we've been reading ken and i have both been reading bloodline mm-hmm. uh and that story moves well and i i had been thinking about i think it goes back to one of the key things is that george lucas based them on old serials mm-hmm. so is that rolling action of one adventure into the other adventure mm-hmm. in that within each little action piece, you're learning something more about the characters as the action is rolling along, but it's always got to have that cliffhanger momentum mm. of, 
out of the frying pan into the fire. In even a book like Bloodline, that is, sometimes the frying pan is a political morass. Right. But sometimes it's shooting at stuff that I think that sense of old serial, cliffhanger, episodic, adventure to adventure strung together mm-hmm. is what makes Star Wars feel exciting, even yeah. if it's just a discussion of politics or heritage. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Jennifer? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, well, what are the traditional elements to a good story, right? So you have, there's four, according to some screenwriting sites, (laughs) 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 which, yay, I buy into that. So one is like conflict, stakes, sympathetic characters, and transformation. And transformation Mm. is a huge theme in Star Wars. And I was really thinking about, well, of, of the films... Who, what are my favorite f- stories? And it would certainly be, obviously, the original trilogy, um, Empire, uh, because we see this transformation. For me, and I'm getting over my whole hating <laughs> thing of the prequels, yeah. but that was my problem with The Phantom Menace, was we did not see really any transformation with Anakin. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of those colors of mm-hmm. his, his darkness shown. You can show that in a child. You look at any serial killer, which I read a lot of those books, and from when they were children, <laughs> they're exhibiting this type of behavior. At a red lobster, right? Not at a red lobster. Okay. Oftentimes with their cats. I really, I, I like this idea that young Anakin should have been like uh, out there murdering Eopi so we knew <laughs> no. he starts with animals. But yeah. just a, just yeah. a hint. I feel sure. like it, it, we did not get any of that. And so for me, like Star Wars Yes, it has all these things, but there's also the mysticism of the mm. Force, which I believe is crucial to a Star Wars story. Okay. Um, I also believe, obviously, adventure, humor, mm-hmm. the relationships. These these are all crucial things that, for me, the original trilogy and even the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. they, that ex, you know, they exemplify that. Yeah, more. and maybe I'm coming at it from more of a prequels bias of I don't feel like the they're executed well, but I feel like the stories are good. Mm. So if we're talking about like the story, uh, mm. I think like the prequels do have that moving from action piece to action piece and you're learning a little bit about how the characters perceive themselves in their world and their situation in those action scenes. But I also think that a a huge theme is how the individual handles destiny or institutions. Right. Mm. And in almost every good Star Wars story, even if the force isn't there, even if there isn't a huge stakes, an individual is trying to figure out how do I get what I want and I'm almost always uh, opposed by an institution of some kind. Mm. And even like in Phantom Menace, Anakin wants adventure, he wants freedom, he wants to follow his own destiny and he is opposed by being a slave. And then even once he gets to Tatooine, he's opposed by the Jedi Order. And there's, I think that's what a part of what makes it feel like a Star Wars story is there is mm. somebody who wants think something uh, who is struggling against something bigger, which is a part of all the storytelling, but specifically in Star Wars, it's often an institution or this almost Shakespearean level of tragedy of the character wants this, but we as the audience are also being told that, well, fate will mm-hmm. will say you can't have that. Right. So it's this very specific kind of struggle, I think, that right. the character has to go through to make it feel like Star Wars. And those are big themes, but what I'm in listening to you talk, it, it, it should make people feel confident in Rogue One because I don't think we're going to have the Force front and center. Right. It should be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vader's going to appear, and then you got the Force. But it is a, a different kind of story, and it falls into that category. You got the rebe- rebels rebelling. Because yeah. that's what Jen Erso does, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so it will still feel like that world, that universe, and the big things. I agree a little bit, Phantom Menace, that I didn't. It seems flat in that regard. But overall, I definitely agree. The prequels uh, have a better story than people want to give them credit for. Yes. Um, but again, it's execution. Yeah. So that yeah. stuff might have been there, but I'd still think it's a little eight-year-old boy going wizard um, <laughs> because he is <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and I take your point that it, it doesn't take a specific Phantom Menace doesn't do as good of a job 
job of hooking us into really making us feel one character's emotion mm-hmm. right, and right, then right, really right. feeling how, how are they striving to get what they want is not as clear as it could be. So it doesn't feel as Star Warsy, I think. Yeah. And also I do then wonder like if, is what makes a good Star Wars story that it can be like self-contained. I feel like the Phantom Menace, it's almost like a prologue in some sense, mm-hmm. you know, and so mm-hmm. it sets up the entire saga. And so in that way, it's very successful. Mm. But you you look at A New Hope and you don't need any sequel or prequel right. to say that this is a good story. So, I, I mean, Empire obviously is a fantastic story. Right. So uh, what you're talking about with the whole serial aspect, yeah. is, is that then is that then necessary for it to be a good Star Wars story that it has to be a serial and I think it ha- should have that sense of momentum, that sense of forward mm-hmm. movement. And I know some people don't feel like it, the prequels do, but kind of on paper they do. They jump from yes. literal adventure to mm-hmm. adventure. It's not mm-hmm. it never goes long before somebody is actually in some kind of physical peril or running or, you know, really fighting for at least a perspective. Um, so I think that's why I'm thinking about these new books. Mm-hmm. These new books move just literally from a construction point of view. If you put mm-hmm. like screenwriters do, if you're breaking down the plot and you put on note cards, what happens scene to scene, they move with a lot of action scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is what is crucial and like even in bloodline which is mostly a political story yeah. yeah there are moments of action that just move you along and makes you feel like this whole world is moving at a breakneck pace so even if the character is trying to do the right thing they probably can't because suddenly there's a wrath tower running at them yeah. you know like the, yeah. that sense of just always being on the edge of your seat mm. so i want to take the question to to some areas where where it's not working or it gets gets off the rails a little bit and it happens a lot for me in the comics um, and again, Joseph, you're putting the big themes out there, and you talk, we're all talking about the, the 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 things of momentum. Like, I think Rogue One is going to have its own momentum right into New Hope, and yeah. and young quote unquote Hong Solo is going to go <laughs> right into New Hope. Right. Um, so hopefully, we get some other stuff that goes into Empire or Jedi. Um, but um, when it's not working for me, like in New Dawn, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, um, but I don't know. I might have to give that another read because there's aspects of it I certainly like. But the comics to take it to weird places that I don't feel belong in Star Wars, and you said it earlier, I didn't like the original Expanded Universe past Zahn's books and maybe Kevin J. Anderson's first three yeah. because I felt it got into weird, it took us back to the late 70s where Jackson the Flying Rabbit <laughs> is there, and so sometimes the comics uh, fall off a little bit for me because they've got these weird creatures and stuff or these spaceships that are actually sailboats and stuff, and I and I just pull back because it becomes regular sci-fi to me, and Star Wars was never sci-fi to me. Yeah. It was fantasy, fantasy. but it was epic, which is a different genre. So uh, I don't know. That's just me venting, as I often do, about (laughs) some of the little holes. But again, I love what they're doing with the comics overall. They do have that great serial aspect to them. Yeah. I was thinking about that because I know you've brought that up a lot of like, isn't there like a a weird uh, General Grievous-like cyborg in the comics? What's that character? Mon Calamari. I can't remember his name with a K. Mon Calamari, General Grievous. Yeah. (laughs) And I was thinking about that, too, in context of Bloodline and other novels I like. What is so successful about A New Hope is it shows us absolutely fantastic, bizarre things, but then everybody else is just walking around them like, that's no big deal. What? Right. Yeah. That alien with the weird hammerhead? Of course. He's just a guy at the bar. Right. And so to me, with hitting the flavor notes of Star Wars, there's something about... Uh, tip of the iceberg philosophy where you see just a little bit of this weird world 
and if you open the door, you could go explore that whole weird world. But right. there's something that's nice about you. You truly feel like that galaxy is real when just these weird things are there, but kind of in the background and never fully explored. And I think sometimes with the comics in older novels, mm. when you learned everything about a weird character, mm-hmm. it took away any of the sort of uh, bizarreness or the uh, the yeah. fascination with what is the truth of that thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's like this uh, tip of the iceberg quality of this is that an makes excellent it fascinating. point. Yeah, because I feel that's what I was thinking about too. Why is it in that in that particular comic where I'm looking at all these mm-hmm. you know weird creatures, cyborgs, and whatnot? It doesn't. It feels out of place. And yet when we see these characters in the films, they make they make complete sense. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. We see them doing things that we do. They're yeah. hanging out at the bar. They're trying to get a good bargain. You know, <laughs> they're scavenging for whatever parts. Yeah, whatever. yeah. They're they're relatable and they're real. Right. Even even though they, it's not like ogling at their oddity. You know what I mean? Which yeah. I think is, you know, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's the lived in thing. When we yeah, talk about totally. the success mm-hmm. of lived in, we think, oh, like, oh, well, Boba Fett's armor was beaten up. And that's like a literal physical lived in, but mm-hmm. the sort of thematic uh, uh, galaxy building lived in feels like, oh, well, you can just mention something as big as the Clone Wars or the Kessel Run, and it's said by the, uh, characters is though we should of course know what that is right mm-hmm. and it makes it really feel like the galaxy is lived in like we yeah that, like that's a real living galaxy we don't need to know everything and it's like how far do you fill in those blanks like i don't do we ever like we might finally see the castle run mm. yeah wow that think about that for a second do you want to see that i kind of do but then if it's too much if it's too much of it like again i kind of like it's just something that happened whereas the clone wars we always wanted the answer and then we got the answer and a lot of us didn't like the answer till the the show came on, and I, I like it a lot. Yeah, right. um, Lost Stars by Claudia Gray did such an amazing job of going back and kind of retelling the Star Wars original trilogy from the point of view of people who weren't the heroes. And I love that aspect because it it really gave it a lived in era, a, a feel to it. Um, but I, I, I it felt like it fit, and it was answers that made sense that weren't crammed in. There's a couple Forrest Gump like moments in, in <laughs> yeah. Lost Stars for me, without a doubt. But Bloodlines doing the same thing. We'll talk more about it in a bit. Where it's it's like it's it's giving me some answers. It's filling in some blanks in an exciting, moving forward momentum kind of yeah. way that isn't like I'm reading a Wikipedia or Wikipedia entry. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I feel some of the stuff is doing that. It's like you like Dengar? Well, here he is at home eating. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the part of Dengar we like. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like even building on stuff that we know as Star Wars fans. Now we're in this uh, world that we've talked about before, where it mm-hmm. not only happened a long time ago in the context of the stories we're telling, but in real life. That there's some great moments in Bloodline where uh, Claudia Gray just has a passing reference to something that we already do know all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's said in such a passing way of like, well, of course you all know about this. Mm. And like, Man. it makes you feel like a part of the galaxy because, yeah, we do. And it's just this much. Wow. It's not that very technical science fiction y sort of, well, here's a sidebar and a footnote that tells you the whole history, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you feel these news stories uh, are weighed down at all by us having, or maybe even the authors too, having to connect it to this new connected canon, this new universe? Because I think sometimes that might have been what hurt, hurt New Dawn for me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's there's good things in New Dawn, canon being the best, but um, I turned every page going what does it mean and that might be on me yeah but it's also a little bit what lucasfilm and the the story team is doing it's like everything could matter we're rebuilding (laughs) this universe there's clues if you look and so 
sometimes that, that weighs the stories down a little bit for me. Like I feel they I feel I'm looking too hard or maybe they're trying to explain things too hard. It works when it works, it works, but I don't know. Am I off mm. base? Am I crazy? Um, I'm th- the problem. Well, I think that that's why they, they got rid of, you know, the mm-hmm. whole expanded universe and now it's legends is because they wanted to give writers that freedom to be able to, Start fresh in some ways. Mm. And I think that it seems like the authors are actually really excited to be doing these yeah. things and connecting these yeah. dots to these new characters. I mean, you read the, the 3PO comic, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I liked that. I thought it was a yeah. great tie into The Force Awakens. Very, yeah. very touching. And it kind of surprised me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gets a little misty eyed, old 3PO. Yeah. <laughs> Over there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I thought they did, they did a great job, even though they had that task of like, okay, well, right. now you have to explain you have to answer how to this 3PO. specific question. Right. Yeah. But I thought they did a really great job. Yeah, I do worry about them painting themselves into a corner by telling too many stories in the same time period, which right. is a concern I have mm-hmm. with the comics. But I feel like they also get this advantage of being able to generate excitement by just a passing acknowledgement of something else in the galaxy. Mm. Yeah. Like in Bloodline, there is a couple of just passing acknowledgements of species or mm-hmm. events. And it's really exciting mm-hmm. uh, in that sort of same way of when Obi-Wan and Luke first mentioned the Clone Wars. Right. Of like... There's something exciting. I don't even have time to read about that because we're swept up in this story. But yeah. there's that exciting there's thing that I could things. go look into. You know? Or yeah. even just that, as you're reading along, invested in the now of the story, something that just gives you that actual pleasant response of remembering a previous story that you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of what, at this point, a Star Wars story is. As, yeah. as you're enjoying the main story, there's these little shots of, remember that other great thing? Yeah. We don't even need to focus on it, but just, I mean, it literally sets off chemicals in your brain that, like, yeah. you've reminded me of a happy thing. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also getting the character voices down and writing so well. Um, Claudia Gray's done a great job with Leia, but I saw a tweet came across and someone said, hey, uh, not for nothing, give Claudia Gray for writing 3PO really well. Yeah. And that was, I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're 3PO right. is great in Bloodline. Yeah, and there's there's that, and, and I think Paul S. Kemp doing such a great job with the Emperor and Vader. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job with Vader. That's why I love Lords of the Sith. Um, so, yeah, that's key, too, and, and you can go wrong with that. Sometimes the comics fill, and, and there's so many talented writers and, and editors behind these comics, but sometimes they, they still feel like quotes from the movies yeah, mm. versus the voice of the character making a decision. Uh, that's me being pushing my glasses up to my nose. I get it. Um, here I'm complaining uh, when I you know go and have eight comics waiting for me. Um, but, you know, that's what it is. It can go wrong. You know, the Chewbacca one was weird. It had some great moments. It just was a little weird for me because I'm like, I don't think this is. this the Star Wars universe that I'm familiar with? I don't think it is. Yeah. And it kind of ended with a, with a, a Christmas uh, special reference. <laughs> well, <laughs> in, I haven't, in a weird yeah, way. I haven't been staying up in the comics. Let me ask you about Chewbacca. Yeah. Did any of the characters deeply want something in the Chewbacca comic book. They did. From that aspect, they did. It was about um, a little... It was more labor, work labor, child labor versus straight slavery, but it was okay. that type of a thing. And, okay. And Chewie was there to help. Um, okay. And he made a choice to help when he could have left. And so there's a lot of that stuff, what you talked about, those yeah. big themes. So it feels like it. But it's also, there was a guy who's in like, his, he's an alien, but he has like a fishbowl on his head. And it's like, <laughs> that's when it starts taking and taking myself out of the head. And again, I accept um, Hammerhead. Yeah. Right. But there's got to be the subtle little reason why. Yeah. Versus mm. that guy's got a fishbowl on his head and he's a weird <laughs> Mars attacks alien. Yeah. Not Star Wars to me. Right. right. 
know. Yeah, I mean, there certainly is just a design aspect for any visual storytelling. Right. You know, and that's obviously The Force Awakens was super successful on that level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, when you're watching the films, it's it's truly all these masters at work. So you have, you know, the creature department. Then you have uh, Ben Burt, yeah. whoever the sound sound uh, designer is, getting these real-life sounds and combining them together. So it has that familiarity yep. that allows you to kind of suspend your disbelief. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, okay, I can I can buy that crazy character because yeah. it kind of sounds familiar. It kind of moves like an elephant or whatever it is. Yeah. There, I think that that's... Hapabore. Yeah, right? That Hapabore butt is that just big old Hapabore delightful. Butt. Yeah, it just looks, it looks that real. That looked like Star Wars to me, that <laughs> Hapabore butt. That's, that's skill. You're joking, but it's true. It's it is true. true. It's it totally true. true. Right? That like Hapabore fit for me. Yeah. Fit for me. You know, like maybe my least favorite characters in Force Awakens are those little like cricket type of things. Uh, they look like little flies or something in, having a, having in, a drink in Moss's castle. Oh, I love them. I, I love them. It took me out of love. The yeah. Rath Tars are my least favorite, but yeah. but yeah. Uh, but it, it fit because it fit like it could have been in the cantina in Moss Eisley. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, okay. Well, there's a little bugs drinking drinking. Yeah. But, I um, want some truly alien things, and and to harken back to the situation that created the cantina, some. You know, hey, well, we got a werewolf mask, so lack Sivrak. <laughs> yeah, right. Now there's, now there's I a forget werewolf. about the werewolf. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. So it, that seemed to me like, well, we could make anything now, but we got to make some stuff that's kind of garbage. Kind of garbage. It didn't take me out of the movie at all, but yeah, there's just. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> like, I mentioned before, that's the section that I wrote for Rift Track. So I yes. watched that section about 127 times, <laughs> and I was delighted every time those creatures came on screen. <laughs> It's a good day at the office. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in in the overall term, I think you hit it too, Joseph, the themes that they have to remember that that every Star Wars story is about. And I think generally you're doing a great job with that. Again, uh, we're nitpicking at this point as fans, but uh, if anything, we're saying it's negative. But um, that's what's the key to Star Wars stories, remembering what George created it to be. Yeah. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Right. A serial. And I think Jennifer yeah. had a great point, too, of like ideally transformation of mm-hmm. the, the I think it's important that the sort of individual is deeply wanting something super emotional opposed to some larger institution. And hopefully in that battle, mm-hmm. either is transformed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way, maybe in a sort of like Shakespearean, the horrible fates way. Right. But hopefully a true change by the end. Yeah, it absolutely it is not just about having Dengar needing breakfast. No. It is about his motivations. Um, Why does he want breakfast? It's speaking of, <laughs> how is he going to get breakfast? Oh, Dengar. You know, now, you know what? I stand corrected. Now I want a Dengar uh, breakfast movie. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, we do want to talk a little bit about this excellent book that's out now. Joseph, we've uh, had the chance to, to read it. Jennifer, you're going to be next to read it, I'm sure, once I actually uh, uh, do my homework uh, and finish it. I'm so, so, so close. I had a busy week, but uh, Joseph, I know you have finished it. And we're going to talk more about it, but I do yeah. want to get into Bloodline by Claudia Gray, the wonderful author who's done a lot of other things, but we know her now as the uh, author of Lost Stars. Uh, and uh, this uh, Disney Lucasfilm story group, this is another one of the things, uh, Delray and Random House Books behind it here. Um, Delray was uh, grateful enough to, uh, to uh, share a copy. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, this is, um, was greatly anticipated because of Lost Stars. Yeah. And it's, it's right there with me. It's right there, uh, and it takes something that could be potentially boring in Star Wars, which is politics. Yeah, mm-hmm. to me, this is a validation that politics are not boring. Can work, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we go back to Phantom Menace or all that, the prequels. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting politics going on. And this, to me, starts the politics, and I'm sure they're going to continue with other books and stories, but it starts the politics of what led us to Force Awakens and how we got from the fall of the Empire, the New Republic, and how that kind of became a stagnant old regime. Hmm. And it gets into those themes early on in here. And also having Leia as a, a, a point of view, the main character was... We hadn't had that yet. New canon, no. certainly. We had the Leia comic, but uh, and books. It was it was well overdue. I thought. Yeah, especially seeing her in this period, and I think it was a really cool idea to flesh out the politics that were mm-hmm. not on the screen in the Force Awakens. Yep, and to use Leia to do them. When they announced this, I was curious how they were going to do that in terms of making the other characters be a presence. I was wondering how much Han was going to be a presence. I was wondering how much uh, Ben or Luke. And uh, to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about before, and don't want to spoil anything uh, for Jennifer, uh, they do a great job of this is Leia's story, but through Leia's story, we are learning about the truth of the politics of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So we've got that individual against institution. Mm -hmm. And then just these flashes, these fascinating flashes of other main characters and Mm -hmm. big events. And that's what made it feel like a great Star Wars story to me, even though it is largely about politics and subterfuge and espionage, Mm -hmm. that it had that great pace and that great momentum and these little flashes into that you could be fat. There's little things in there that are like the dropping of the Clone Wars and A New Hope of like, what's that about? Yeah. Mm. I want to know. Yeah, there's a lot lot there with Han, and Han's not in it a lot. No. And there's a lot there with Luke and Ben, and they're not in it at all. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it, and it kind of sets you on the path uh, of, of where we are in Force Awakens. You start getting some of these uh, questions, but also some, some slight small answers. Yeah. I was really fascinated with that, and I'm glad it didn't get answered, you know, at any point early on. Like, no answers came right out. No, uh, and, about, yeah, you know. again, yeah, it's it's the way the story is told, too, that these mm. little bits of information that as fans, you'd be mm. like, I want to open the book and find out, you know, did Kylo Ren turn at what age? Like, n- yeah. no information is given in a way that, hey, we, Star Wars, are giving you fan information. Yeah. Characters Good. are logically saying things to characters when they would, and then you as the fan are like, well, well why didn't you make a bigger deal of that? Because, well, because you, the characters, know this information, right. and it's mind-blowing if you're a huge Star Wars fan. So the title of this, of course, is Bloodline, and the cover, which is a great cover, is Leia, some X-Wings, and the, uh, you know, the shadowy figure of Darth Vader. Um so one of the things uh, that you do kind of kind of learn and they go into is, of course, Leia's heritage. Well, we all know Leia's heritage. Yeah. Guess who doesn't know Leia's heritage? Yeah. Most of the people in the galaxy. <laughs> right. Yeah. We forget that wasn't a TV show. It was, a, it was <laughs> in that world. It was a reality. And a lot of people didn't know that stuff. A lot of people still don't know who Vader was. That's why I love and Tarkin. That whole time, Tarkin's like, why do I know this Darth yeah, guy? I, Something familiar. Yeah, the way he uses his lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there was a lot of that in here, too, that was fascinating to me. I love when uh, you roll out uh, the Star Wars story we're familiar with to, to people in the story who aren't familiar with it, or it is legend. Yeah. And there's a lot of, it's almost like Leia's like the whole, a lot, lot of portions of the book, especially early on, she's like, oh, millennials. Um, <laughs> it's just these young breed of politicians and characters that either have forgotten or were unaware, um, kind of uh, making heroes out of the emperor and the empire, or uh, were just so young that they're excited about, you You fought in the, in the rebellion? 
Yeah. I loved that stuff. Yeah, I think it does the best job. I think all of the new canon books have done a good job of having uh, more pace, more of a Star Wars feel versus a sci-fi feel. Uh, But this one, to me, did the most work on reframing the original trilogy. Mm. Like, based on the various people's opinions about what happened then, what it means to have had a hand in the Galactic War makes you look back on the movies differently. The same way that Lost Mm -hmm. Stars did, but this one really... I think because it's set between The Force Awakens and the original trilogy, it reframes your understanding of the whole galaxy, how it functions. For me, and I don't know if it, you felt the same way, but along that lines, Joseph, Leia talks there, talks with a little bit of excitement about the past because it was her youth. There's a lot of like, oh, I was young, but also there was this like missing it, but also realizing the weight of it yeah. and the effect of it uh, on, on them. And they went through a war. Yeah, and to come out of it, and then to try to rebuild the galaxy, and it's like there's a lot of a uh, lot of in, your inside Leia's head as as a maturing woman. There's some jokes about oh, this guy's a little too young for me. Like I <laughs> love that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, uh, I love I love looking back at something we're so familiar with and seeing it from a different point of view or a different light. Yeah, and going a little bit deeper because yeah. you can and you should. In a novel, because right. there's only so much room. And, you know, I, people have made a lot of uh, comments about not spending any time with Leia's uh, reaction to her planet being destroyed. Like, she's bummed, but then she's on the move. Right, uh, right, and right. Because it, the, A New Hope is it's Luke's story, and it was at the time black and white, evil and good, feel good. Yeah. Adventure. Uh, but if you're going to spend time with these characters, it's nice to go deep into those moments and have her remember her moments in the galactic war as both exhilarating and terrifying yeah there's a there's a great scene and and look lucas well he was he was a victim of his time he was writing what you said and and just writing at a time where where female characters weren't as the strongest and and who knows if he was doing new hope now might have been just as much leia's story and she wouldn't have been the princess you know what i mean i think he he, we forget or or or, or, and and there's excitement to me because now we can go back and fill fill in some of that stuff and this book addresses that there's a great scene uh where Leia's recalling watching Alderaan being destroyed, down to the little details of the strength of Vader's grip on her on her shoulder. Yeah. That Claudia Gray really hits that out of the park. It is a great moment. It's one of my favorite moments of the book. And it's not a big moment. It's a little moment. Like you said, it's a little callback to something we're yeah. familiar with. You could almost feel Leia describing Tarkin's slippers. Uh, you know, it was um, so good. It, I love the moment where, like, her, her, what she, you know, we know as her father is like, he's so, so much of a beast and an evil machine at the time that he is literally like tightening his grip around his daughter. He didn't know, yeah. but his daughter while watching her world go away and the family she knows. And I was a very Oof. powerful moment that redefines the original trilogy. Now, yeah. when I watch wow. New Hope again after I finish this book, and I will, I'm going to see that scene for the first, uh, a new light for the first time in uh, 40 years of my living. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's good writing. Yeah. And, and I think uh, a great example of how the new canon is working together, not just in the big picture, but kind of in the uh, thematic picture. I always wondered, like, why, how does Vader not sense anything or go, hey, you look an awful lot like Padme. And are the perfect age to be my dead pregnant wife. It's not, uh, but Lords of the Sith does, does a great job uh, telling us what's going on in Vader's head. Of he wants to close himself off to right. emotion. That was his previous life when he was weak, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to let anyone in because his anger gives him power. So he is. It's a great reframing of he's shut off. He's shut off, and it yeah. takes 
all of this encounters with Luke to open up any sort of feeling. He gets the factual information of like, this kid is flying around with my name and he used the force to blow up the Death Star. And now after I interact with him and try to bring myself to kill him, I start opening up to these feelings and I can sense him and all that. So, you know, the books start to connect and help tell the story of the movies yeah, in a weird way, I don't have the time maybe yet in my life, um, but I'd like to go back and read all of them again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I, I probably will at some point, um, just to have, uh, you know, the stories are starting to piece together. And, and this is very fascinating. There's stuff, again, talk about the, the, the youth. There's these young senators, and these, some, some were alive during the rebellion. Um, uh, the, the main character, Ransom, uh, was alive during it, but young enough to where it's a different meaning to him. And, and he kind of, definitely at the beginning, it's, it's he looks... I would say looks up to the empire, but what it could have been, it's kind of one of those people. It's like, oh, yeah, not quite, but it's like, oh, Hitler, a good idea is he just went wrong. <laughs> and he, a little bit of that. Yeah, kind of he stuff. is kind of like, hey, the freeway, that was a good idea. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, it's fascinating to see that change. And there's a great scene where they're like, there's the realizing one of the other char- young characters, Joff Seastriker. <laughs> Which may be the greatest Star Wars name ever, or the worst, or I both. Like it. Yeah, do, is is your knee jerk reaction? I like it. I kind of like it. Yeah, I kind of loved it. Yeah, because it's it's yeah. like Skywalker. It's one syllable a place verber. Joff's <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's realizing along with another character Greer, um, a female character that uh, you know, all these people. It's like um, they turned what everyone accomplished during the rebellion, they turned it into into a myth and characters and took out the reality of it. Oh. And that's deep, too, because yeah. it also makes sense because in Force Awakens, we always joke, 20 years after the Clone Wars, no one remembers it. And now, you know, 30-something years after the rebellion, people seem to not remember it and Luke's a myth. This starts to explain that. Yeah. Luke has been gone. He's not missing. He's gone. Yeah. He's on his mission to the point where people are forgetting about him. And now, you know, 25 years or so, I think this is set after the rebellion. And people are like, yeah, you know, the Empire was all right, right? I can't remember. That's some good ideas, mm, that's, some good, right? that's some cool equipment, though. <laughs> there's like an underground collector's trade, oh. much like there's underground uh, collectors of Third Reich memorabilia. Yep. Oh, there's yeah. underground collectors of, of Imperial artifacts. And it's kind of fascinating. It's a, gr- Ooh, it's a great yeah. theme. Good. Yeah. Makes me think of Mark Furman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. But this book sounds really fascinating. When I, I mean, I'm still reading Lost Stars. Thank you, Ken. I mm-hmm. need to give you a copy back. No, it's, no, no. it's really good. She's a fantastic writer. Yeah. And I just get so immersed into it. I can't re- wait to read this book. It's interesting because it sounds like a completely different style. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Claudia Gray is emerging as this new star in the... I think she is, yeah. yeah. I absolutely think she is. I think I think everyone, even some of the books I'm maybe less interested in, has done a great job. Uh, I, that's just me trying to be a nice dude and respect artists. Absolutely. Uh, no, but also course. I think, you know, there's parts in every book. I may not have totally enjoyed New Dawn, but Kanan's one of my favorite characters because of the backstory I got in New Dawn. Mm. Uh, Chuck Wendig, I think, did a great job painting a, a world from the common man looking at what happens after the Death Star explodes, and I'm looking forward to his next chapter. Uh, Tarkin, James Lucino, I'm a fan of. It was, you know, hit at times, but there's some great stuff in there, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I could go on and on and on. But Claudia Gray, Paul S. Kemp as well, but Claudia Gray are emerging as people who know the Star Wars voice Right. Overall, yeah, and I think mm-hmm. a huge part of it is just her skill with prose. Yep. That her prose is effortless to read, and you very rarely feel her presence there as an author. And I think mm-hmm. that's super important because I don't think we should ever have super, super auteur Star Wars movies, right? Because 
if you feel like, oh, that's that's Tarantino's ego-filled tracking shot for 15 minutes, then you're watching the filmmaker instead of mm-hmm. watching Star Wars. And I feel like yeah. her prose is like that. It's impressive and flowing and colorful, but never to the point where it's pointing at itself. Mm-hmm. So it, that's one of the things to me that makes it feel like Star Wars because it just flows and moves. Mm. Yeah, and that's a, going back to Lost Stars is a testament of how great that book is because that could have been totally dangerous. You're retelling the, the original trilogy from another <laughs> point of view, which is essentially that book. Yeah. Again, yeah, there's some wink-wink Forrest Gump moments where they're, oh, they were there too, but that could have been a disaster. Yeah. Could have been a disaster. Could have been too cute, too on the nose, and instead it changed the way I look at Movies that I grew up with that are my life, and I think I think this movie, uh, this book, Bloodline, does that as well. So I hope she, uh, I'm sure Claudia Gray will be uh, at it again. Oh yeah, in the Star Wars universe. Um, so that is our uh, look at Bloodline. We're going to go a little uh, deeper some other time soon here, Joseph. Right? I think there's yeah. a lot to talk about. Uh, it's on the shelves now. I highly recommend it. It is uh, the new Star Wars canon. Canon continues to roll out some amazing Star Wars stories. Yeah, it's a great time to be a Star Wars it fan, my friends. Yeah, and we have we're lucky to have lots of fans who send us nice questions. We do here on Force Center. We're going to tackle a couple of them right now. Sam Haval on our Facebook page at Force Center said, "Do you think Finn in Poe will be put in danger in Episode Eight, causing Rey to abandon her training to go save them, similar to Empire Strikes Back when Han and Leia are in danger and Luke leaves Yoda?" What do you think, Jennifer? Hmm. Come on, Star I Wars like ring it. girl. I like <laughs> it. Um, but I, I do feel like Daisy Ridley's been training so hard. She's gotten so buff. Have you guys <laughs> seen her? Yeah. I mean, incredible. So I don't know if she's going to abandon her training because she looks like she's... <laughs> no, um, I, it's an interesting idea. I like it. If we're going to keep with the similarities of uh-huh. the yeah. original trilogy. Is that too much? Is that too similar to Empire, especially after Force Awakens came under attack for being too similar to A New Hope? It is a it little is. too similar. Yeah, it's just too on the nose, right? My instinct is no, they probably won't go there. I'm definitely curious on on how the stories are going to interact again and intersect. Mm -hmm. You know, Ray's off doing her thing and and Finn and Poe, and it's like it'd be weird if she never – came back together again so I think there's got to be some ent- uh, some climactic moment at the end of the movie um, but yeah if she ran off again I mean would Luke let her you know would he just let the force take its path I don't know <laughs> but it opens up stuff look it's interesting if it happens but yeah I I I don't. Overall, I think I'd rather her have some some different storyline. Yeah, I feel like the crisis in the original trilogy is not only will Luke, you know, be good, will he be bad, but is his attachment to his friends important? Is it valuable? And then, of course, that became much more important once you added the prequels and all of those arguments about attachment. So, to me, it Mm. seems important. Like, what's Ray's story? I think Ray does have to go through some darkness. She does have to have some conflict with her Jedi training. But what is it going to be? And if it is another story of attachment, you know, if Luke has come around to the old Jedi ways and like, nope, let Finn die, that that gets really repetitive because it's not just actions. It's her story. It's the meat of Mm -hmm. what she's going through. Right. And I just can't see Luke doing that. I just can't see him doing that. No, if anything, like maybe I, yeah, I think part of the reason he seemed to disappear was because the attachments got him again. So maybe he's trying, you know, 
Um, and then that scene at the end of the movie is is Ray calling him back to attachments of all sorts. Yeah. Mm. And I think he's going to accept that, and it's going to be a new new way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, maybe Luke runs off again. Maybe Ray's like, no, keep training me. <laughs> yeah. Don't hey, run off. You nope, take out, you're not ready for Snoke. <laughs> you're not ready. <laughs> Great question, Sam. Great question. Yeah, yeah. So our next question is from Ed Plus. <laughs> yeah, like uh, that's his name. Uh, with the Twitter handle, at Bruckman34. He says, Filoni retconned Return of the Jedi and let Rex in. Who else would you like to see brought in? Are you guys on top of that news? Do you know what he's talking about? I mean, I know Rex from Star Tours. Uh, So there is an older bearded man in the Rebel Assault team on the moon of Endor. Yep. And Lucasfilm and Filoni came out and was like, you know what? He looks enough like Rex. Let's say that's Rex. Let's say Rex survived. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Tell Endor. Oh, and wow. I'm with them familiar. on the moon of Endor. Whoa, whoa, okay. Yeah. Stop the <laughs> yeah. I'm talking Star Tours here. Captain uh, Rex is... Uh, oh, right. Uh, oh, my yeah, God. Okay. Yeah, no, old Captain Rex, right? There, yeah. I know the cosplayer. I can't remember his name, but he looks just like the character. It's so the amazing. clone commander? Yeah, yeah, the clone commander. That is now in Rebels. Is now in Rebels. Yeah. Survives. Survives. He's on the moon of Endor the, with the strike the, team. The, the bearded guy, I know who you're talking about. Yep, that's, that's Rex now in canon. Hmm. I don't know what I think of uh, that's breaking news. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. Hmm. I that, don't know if I like yeah, that. Yeah, wow. This is this is uh announcement of Captain Phasma's name level of concern <laughs> from Ken. Captain Phasma, um uh, I don't know if I like that because I don't think it looks like a clone. I don't think it's a clone to me. Okay, so you think that that character, the, the white beard, isn't enough to bring it home that that's Rex? Or Be- is it the narrative part of it? Of- it's the narrative part of it. Yeah. You don't. Oh, wow. I love Dave Filoni. I love what they do. I don't know. I don't need that. I don't need yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Something else could have happened to Rex. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it because, in a way, without touching. I don't know if you're going to convince me otherwise. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to try because I don't feel that strongly about it. <laughs> I'm going to let you process before I, I try to change your mind this time. Uh, but I, I feel like without. It's cool that without changing a frame of film. They can still make special editions <laughs> and make changes to the film yeah, and go. Right. You know what? That was Rex. Mm-hmm. That is Rex. Uh, I don't. I don't think it doesn't seem like it was something that was deeply considered. Maybe it was. Uh, yeah. But I think it was just like a flavor detail of like, sure. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer, help me here. Uh, help me through this. I don't know. Don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm on the fence with this one. I am. I mean, it certainly doesn't change. It does change. I don't know. To me, it it is this interesting connecting all the way through. Sure. The the clones were created in in their minds to do a good thing to defend the Republic. They were used to slaughter the Jedi and then left to age and die. And there's one of like, no, God damn it. I'm going to complete my mission. (laughs) I'm going to defend the Republic against the Empire because you, Empire, not a Republic. Uh, no matter how creaky and old I am. I mean, again, Luke, if only George had known, yeah. he could have written that in and there's a line about, I'm, I'm glad to be here because I was a clone. Like, great. Maybe that will be in the next special oh, edition. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Um, I don't know. Number one, I always thought that guy reminded me of the old G.I. Joe character, Rock and Roll. So I just, I assumed it was him. But <laughs> So you feel robbed of Rock and Roll? Look, it's... it's it, what you're saying, Joseph, is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I love that Rex came back for Rebels. I yeah. love that's one of my favorite things. And why I was so disappointed when they went surfing for sandworms for an episode. But um, <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go blog about this. Or okay, journal, journal yeah. through it. Well, the second part of the question, uh, besides just emotionally process this on air, yeah. uh, was 
who else would you like to see brought in in that way? Is there anyone else who's already floating in the background oh. of the prequels or the original trilogy, probably the original trilogy, that you would like a, mm-hmm. Lucasfilms retroactively say, you know what, that guy is this person from this other source? Well, mm. that's, uh, you know, I'm trying to think in turn. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a specific character, um, but sometimes I want some explanations. Like, I want to know who Jan Dodonna is. Yeah. So, you know, is he in the prequels? Maybe it's that way. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, is he Rick Oley? I don't know. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So that I think that, that's good. That's good. Because, again, Lucas could only only had, at the time, what he was building, and he didn't know it would turn into this. Yeah, he had so, no idea. So, hey, Jan Dodonna is an old, he's a rebel general. Well, that meant before then he was something. Yeah, you know, um, so there's there's a lot of that in Force Awakens. Some of the characters, because they've had the chance to build new canon. You know, the little side character here is actually main guy in the book here, or the, yeah. that major with the long white hair. Is I forget his name. Major Mott. Mott. He's yeah. in. He's in. He's in before the Awakens. And there's all these oh. kind of connecting yeah. threads that they can do now. They mm-hmm. have the advantage of so to this question. That's that's what I wish maybe they could have a little bit yeah. more of. Yeah. Do you have one? I have one, Jennifer. Do you oh, have you anything? Do? Yeah. No, I don't. I like what you're saying, Ken. I like it where we were seeing these characters, and then you just you know, they get their own little spin off or whatever, whether right, it's in the right, comics right. or the yeah. books. I like that. Yeah. That to me, as opposed to like going back and being like, oh, actually, ha ha, surprise. Sure. This accident works, so we're going to make it canon. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's accidental yeah. canon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got one? Yeah. My only thing that I would like is I would like it if they revealed that Wu Hair, the bartender in A New Hope, was a uh, kitster all grown up. <laughs> His life had gone to absolute hell. <laughs> He had to move. Yeah, I, I do want to know what happened to Kidster. <laughs> yeah. I do. Okay, I, yeah. I'll accept that one. You like that one? I like that one. I'll okay. accept yeah. that one. I'll accept that His one. His best friend Kidster. leaves. Yeah. I always, go become yeah. a Jedi. Never comes back. Never comes back. Leaves personality. Never sends any hollows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Like maybe Kidster went on to become like, a, you know, a moth. Yeah. No. yeah there's, there's oh. all, to, to me, I always thought about like like, you know. In this town, you get friends. Like, I've got friends I've worked with since high school that I work, come down to L.A. We came down together. It's like, hey, I've got this. I'm doing this thing of screen junkies. You want to come in and do this thing or something like that? So maybe Anakin's like, hey, uh, Kister, uh, guess what? Uh, I'm Darth Vader now. <laughs> you're, you're always pretty good around this. You want to come you join? You kept my secrets, you know, yeah. 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 Come join and uh, be head of the maintenance division on my Star Destroyers. That would be amazing if Vader's like, I want to block out the memory of anyone I ever loved. Except for Kister. He was cool. Except for Kister. He could come hang out with me. Where are they that. now? Kister. I love that. Uh, so thanks for the fan questions. Uh, we, ha- we have one more, but maybe we'll save that for later. Uh, move on to, sure. to finish the fan fiction. Sure. Uh, so yeah, our, our final segment, finish the fan fiction. You guys have been doing great with this. If you're just listening for the first time for some reason, what we do is we write a prompt of the first half of a story, and then we improvise here on the podcast the rest of the story, and then we post it on our Facebook page, and you guys post your responses. So first we're going to read the prompt from last week, and the winner, the what was we felt the most fun response on our Facebook page page and then we'll do the challenge for this week so here we go with last show's prompt the conference room was alive with tension the gathered rebels knew these were their defining moments mon mothma trained a melancholy eye on her loyal soldiers many bothans died to bring us this information she said now suddenly a hand shot into the air yes wedge what is it asked mon mothma uh wedge said that's a creepy thing to just throw out there many bothans died i mean what the hell does that mean how did they die mon mothma cleared her throat and said and this is our winner jeff holdsworth's response in all fairness wedge the bothans are a clumsy and poorly trained gaggle of spies (laughs) 
As they escape the Imperial base, Shecky Bothans <laughs> slipped on a banana peel and deadly hijinks ensued. I believe their deaths were painless, however. The whole ordeal was quite embarrassing. Frankly, we didn't think all of that needed to be said, but thanks for the question. I hope you can sleep well tonight with your answers, you monster. Oh my gosh. Shecky Bothans. Shecky Bothans. Many, many great responses this week, so thanks for everybody for playing and keep playing, but uh, that one was a winner to me because not only did it provide a funny, wacky answer, but some nice emotional depth of shaming wedge. No, Jeff, you did a great job, and I'm sure there were some drafts, maybe some drafts <laughs> in his uh, his inbox there. He was like, I got to work on this. And I appreciate that. We I love that the Four Center fans can take that serious and have fun, man. That's great. Oh, that's good. Shecky Bothans. Shecky Bothans dying on the banana wow. peel to get us that information. Filoni, happy? Filoni, I know you're listening. Put that into canon. <laughs> Make that canon, Filoni. Yeah. Uh, are you guys ready for this week's prompt? Yeah. I am. I am. All right, yeah. here we go. Luke stroked his beard and smiled wistfully. Before him stood the shimmering form of his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The old Jedi Knight had indeed become more powerful than Vader could have ever imagined by retaining his own identity within the Force. Throughout the years, Obi-Wan had appeared to Luke in times of great importance when his counsel was needed. Luke, Obi-Wan said, is there anything else you wanted to ask me? Luke had been waiting for this moment. Yes, Obi-Wan, he said. On Dagobah. When you revealed the truth about my sister Leia, why did you sit on the log with me? I mean, you are a ghost, so why? (laughs) Obi-Wan smiled. I've been waiting a long time for this question. A long time. Finally, you're ready. The answer may shock you, Luke, but I sat on the log because... You will find that the Force rewards you in many ways. After serving for a long time, a long, long time in the desert, protecting you... I had developed bad knees. <laughs> because I was so powerful, as I warned Darth Vader, I became so powerful that I retained my bad knees in the Force. After many, many times praying to the midichlorians to be released of my knee pain, they finally taught me how to ghost sit. <laughs> That's for you, JTE. Uh, that's great. Yes, this question is inspired uh, by JTE, a.k.a. JT, a.k.a. Josh Tapia, uh, who poses this question often to taunt us on Twitter with hashtag GhostSit. And now he has an answer. It was the will of the midichlorians that Obi-Wan <laughs> would have to sit down because of his knee pain. Are you, uh, are you ready, Jennifer? Yeah. For your answer? I can't top that, but I, I got something. Well, I'm sure you can bottom it. <laughs> Well, the emperor voice oh comes in. Boy. Yeah. Oh Here boy. we go. Here we go. Uh, finally, Luke, you're ready. The answer may shock you, but I sat on the log because... When a man and a woman truly love each other... <laughs> I don't know. I, that's the only thing I can think of. Oh, please keep going. No. When a man... Uh, that, that's so great. When a man and a woman truly love each other, they... Oh, no, this is just going to get bad. I don't no. know. I don't know. That's it. He proceeded to tell him the birds and the bees. <laughs> Luke sat there, his mouth agape. <laughs> you mean it's true? All of it? <laughs> yes, son. I don't know. I give up. I really like that. Uh, it's great. Up. No, it's great. It was great. Uh, I really, really like that it's somehow in order to comprehend sex. <laughs> 
Ben has to be sitting down. Well, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm thinking about this with my with my daughter. Like, this is going to be <laughs> really good. We're going to have to right. sit down. We're going to have to force it. You're going to take her out to the woods and sit on a log. <laughs> sit on a log. Because <laughs> my knees will be bad. Oh, oh, that, was great. That, that was great. That was uh, great. I love any story that begins when a man and a woman love each other or, very or much. When a, or when a man and a man love each other. Or when a woman and a woman love That's each other. Right. I'm when sorry. A, or when a bothan. Yeah, yeah. When a Rathar and a Rancor love each other. Other very much. I apologize. Well, for that. no, it's great. That was great. As I always say about this, they. I love playing this game because it's it's beautiful when something intricate and clever comes, and it's beautiful when something just bizarre yes. comes. So I love it to death. So we'll post that on our Facebook page uh, the day after the episode comes out, so you have some time to let it sink in. So go ahead and uh, follow us on Facebook and keep playing this game. It's so great when a lot of you play. Absolutely, and it's uh, also great of all the support you guys have. We've had a, a lot of fun discussing Star Wars today, and uh, so far, many more shows to come. Uh, guys, I think this wraps up Force Center for today, so I can go finish uh, all my Star Wars comics that I picked <laughs> up, including the second issue of Poe. I haven't had a chance to read yet. This is the first issue of Poe. is great. If you haven't, definitely pick it up. Um, so uh, let's uh, wrap it up and look towards next time. Jennifer, in your nice Han Solo sweater, <laughs> where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa. Be sure to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jennifer Landa, for my latest video on Ray searching for her mother. Oh, it's so good. Thanks. It's so good, Jennifer. Thanks. It's so funny. It's fun. It was I'm fun looking for, I've had a busy week, like I said. I haven't had a chance to, to really click on it yet. So okay, okay. I am going to be one of the first to do that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> After Thanks. this episode. <laughs> Mr. Scrimshaw, as always, thank you for uh, being the great Star Wars pontificator and finding uh, new ways to look at old things in the Star Wars universe. It's always fun to share the mics with you. And uh, you've got a lot of things coming up as well. Yeah, yeah. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can find out about about all of my shows and stuff at josephscrimshaw.com. In particular for shows, there's a page on my website called Live Shows. I've got a bunch of stand-up coming up here in Los Angeles. And in June, I am going to be up in San Francisco doing some stand-up and a live episode of my other podcast, Obsessed. So if you're a listener in San Francisco, go to my website, check out all the details there. I'll be at Doc's Lab on June 22nd. Absolutely. Me at Ken Napsok across all social media platforms. And uh, I think I'll be in Philadelphia in the first week of June for Wizard World of Philadelphia with the Screen Junkies team. We're working on that. So please, if you're out on that side, uh, come on, say hi. Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi sitting. Don't forget to follow <laughs> us here at Force Center on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Find the Facebook page on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're on Stitcher and Podomatic as well. Check us out there. Check us out on our other shows here, Databank Brawl, Jedi Beat, uh, and uh, Spotlight Star Wars. I apologize for missing one this weekend, kids. I had some stuff to get to, and sometimes you just can't sit down and talk about Star Wars. <laughs> um, but we, I think, have made up with it uh, with for that today. Uh, so until next time, uh, that Force thing kind of sort of always remain around. Shucky Bothans, he might have survived if it did. We'll see you next time.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.